Suzanne Legrand, and this is The Shaman's Notebook. Today, my guest is intuitive coach, energy healer, and transformational change agent, Emila Dawn DeToro. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Begin with something that you said concerning healing. You said, Our bodies hold the blueprint of our most evolved self, as well as our stuck patterns and belief systems. Can you talk a little bit about that? I sure can. So, um, our bodies, they're like these little miracles here that we walk around and live in, right? And when we're born, that blueprint that we come in with um, holds our highest possibility. You know, in different traditions, it's experienced in different ways. So it might be labeled as um, the nadis in uh, Ayurveda and the Vedic traditions, or maybe they look like the meridians in Chinese medicine, but the blueprint is in, in those places that's in our cells right? It's in the energy patterns in our body. And where we're headed is right there with us all the time. It's, it's hidden in plain sight, you might say. Um, and we're human. We live these human lives where we have traumas, we have neglects, we maybe are abused, we, um, we experience loss or grief. And those those kinds of experiences cause us maybe to contract or to hold something in our body, hold a pain or a loss or a, an abuse in our body, in our actual tissues. And those kind of interfere with the blueprint actually manifesting, right? So um, some of the work I do is to work with people to unwind those right? Take, get them out of the body. And there are so many ways to do it. Like I said, you can do that through acupuncture. You can do that through Qigong. You can do it through yoga. You can do it through ecstatic dance. You can do it through Reiki or energy body alignment, which is what I offer. But as we unwind those traumas, more of the original blueprint uh, that we were really born to live starts to unfold. It becomes possible again and um, in a very physical way we have more energy we have more joy we have more curiosity uh, rather than depression or heaviness or maybe weight gain or um or just a holding of sadness you know and so it's both physical and energetic and i think it's also psychological you know, we, it shows up in how we work through our feelings and feelings and needs and traumas and, you know, personal development. You started to do some of this work after an accident in 2004. Um, I, I love that you say a whack upside the head made me a psychic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And, right. and I and you're not alone, actually. There's a number of people who have told some some stories about near-death experiences, or in your case, it was a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about how that initiated um, some of your new healing methodologies that you developed? Absolutely. So I'll give a little bit of backstory 
to the car accident. So I was living in Tucson, Arizona and going, uh, I guess I wasn't in graduate school anymore, but I was working at the program in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona, learning all about alternative healing modalities within their research department. I was doing yoga. I was getting sober in 12 step. I was meditating. I was beginning to study Ayurveda. And on my way home from work one day, um, I went through an intersection and a van hit my car in the passenger side and it flipped the car over. I spun on the, the car spun on the roof and I slammed into a post and I woke up and I was just like looking down at my steering wheel, right? Like I was held up by my seatbelt looking down at the steering wheel. And, you know, I saw the van coming, I turned forward again and then bam, and I went out. So, you know, it was a miracle, really nothing on my body was harmed. Um, I didn't have a scratch on me. I mean, I certainly was jostled my brain. I had a traumatic, mild traumatic brain injury. But the aftermath of that was um, kind of in context of the Ayurveda yoga and experience I had had before. So I had been exploring uh, Kundalini rising, right? Which was, which is the spiritual awakening that happens through that um, lens, I guess you could say. And so I had been studying with gurus and reading Ayurvedic uh, teachings. And so that's really what happened for me. I started seeing ascended masters in my living room. I started having conversations with gurus that were in another part of the, of the world. I remember having a long conversation with Mother Mira, who was uh, at that time in Germany, <laughs> you know, so... Um, and what I, did they tell you? I'm curious at this at this point when you started. Well, actually, you know, it was just about encouraging me on my spiritual path, you know, and knowing what was next, like study the scriptures, go, you know, study Ayurveda. So it was a lot of um, kind of general information to help me make sense of what was happening for me. Um, and and uh, to understand the way that I connected that we're all one right? I was having an experience of oneness. And so that's how the psychic stuff started. And then I could like have conversations with my animals. I had a dog and cats at the time. And, you know, like I could talk with them. I would stand in the grocery store and suddenly get this urge to touch the person in front of me and move some healing energy through them. And like, that's terrifying. I'm like, hello, who do you think you are? I can't really do that, <laughs> right? Like, so I'm having these conversations in the grocery store at the, at early on, you know, like I can't just touch a stranger in front of me and heal them like that. No, thank you. And um, so there were a lot of experiences like that. You know, I'd be chatting with a friend of mine and I'd just start rattling on about how they could help their dog because their dog was ill. Of course, over the years, I've learned how to boundary that was that capacity for my own well-being as well as for everybody else's. <laughs> right. But um, but it was the head injury that shook all of that open and that opened my hands. That you know they say your hands get hot and suddenly you're starting to heal people through your hands. That all happened in the months, the few months after the car accident, 
when I was also healing from a, you know, what allopathic medicine would say is a, a mild traumatic, traumatic brain injury where I was having um, cluster headaches, uh, cluster migraines, and, you know, there were just all kinds of physical, very human ramifications of it as well. I'm curious, do you have any sense of why it was necessary to go through that in order to have that that breakthrough? Because it sounds like you were already uh, on a path, but it it was a kind of dramatic opening. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think in retrospect, I definitely do have an idea of that. Um, I was starting. So, like I said, I had a spiritual awakening experience at the at an ashram, the Summer Rafour. And I was starting to settle back into my old ways of living in a very, um, in a more left-brained way, right? Very, I was kind of, I had made some changes for sure. I had shifted some jobs. I had, um, you know, doubled down on my meditation, but I wasn't really moving in the direction that I could see They kind of, my soul, my blueprint, maybe wanted me to move. And, um, and I think that car accident totally did it. I mean, I had been very left brain, very focused up until I started studying yoga and all of that. And I still had a big part of that in me. Like I was saying beforehand, I'm, I'm a Leo with a Virgo rising. I'm a very good administrator. I understand systems very well, all of that, um, really drove my life. There's a lot of sense of duty and achievement. And this kind of took it all away. You know, I lived in the right brain space for a solid four years. Like there were times I, I had trouble adding things, putting things together, doing, you know, very, doing tasks that I would have experienced as like easy before that, you know? And so I think it really shifted my capacity in so many ways, and it allows me to serve um, myself, serve people, serve humanity differently in a way that I just couldn't have as a college administrator, right? In a traditional college system, um, I think I would have been much more constricted. From this experience, you developed energy body alignment healing. Can you talk about what that is? Sure. Yeah. So when I said my hands got hot, you know, I um, started noticing that I could heal people in certain ways with my hands. So the energy body alignment really connects into that energetic blueprint. There was a way in which I, from the shamanic perspective, kind of raise up the assemblage point, right? And, And the energy that comes through me is directed by the guides and the higher self of the person that I'm working with. And they start to unwind those places that are stuck, the places where um, the traumas, the wounds, the, um, the physical injuries have kind of clogged the um, energy system. And so by working that way, people really get a chance to shift things on a much deeper level then kind of talk therapy can shift them. Um, and it, and I noticed in re, 
in conjunction with coaching or with therapy that then like their whole awareness of something changes, right? So I'm happy to give an example if you think that would be helpful. Yeah, I, I'm curious how what you do is perhaps a little different than say uh, raking, which also kind of works at unraveling blocks. It absolutely does. I think um, the difference as I experience it, and I want to be clear, I've never learned Reiki, so I don't quite know how Reiki uh, works other than it is that universal chi energy. Um, it's very directed. It's very specific. So um, I'm hearing very clearly from the person's guides and their higher self what they're doing right? And that they're doing it, right? And so it's very specific to the person and it's very specific to unsticking them from a place, right? It could be a thinking pattern. It could be a physical pattern. Maybe they have a pain in their hip. Maybe we're working on what that, what can unstick that pain in the hip, or it could be that somebody is thinking in this direction about their work or where they're gonna live, but we do some energy body alignment and they kind of wake up and they go, oh, wait a minute, why was I thinking that? I actually meant to, this feels better, right? I'm going over here instead. I'm moving from Oregon to North Carolina or something like that, right? Like, why are we thinking we have to work full time? We're in our sixties, really, we just need to like head towards retirement, you know, things like that. So there's a way that it's a it's like a fast track to unsticking something that you just have not been able to think of um, differently. I think the other place that it's very different is I I tend to draw people other people who have had head injuries. So there's quite a bit of neuropathway rewiring work that happens for people that is very specific to the individual and usually related to a head injury or a life trauma. And so they're, they're the guides and higher self is working to untangle the neural pathways so that the energy moves more clearly through them. And then the thinking, a person's thinking and curiosity changes. And that relates to what you said at the beginning about the blueprint, right, um, of our most evolved self. So it's okay. it sounds like part of what you're doing is releasing the patterns and blocks that, that prevent that more um, evolved self from emerging. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. And, and I, I say I'm doing, but honestly, I'm simply a conduit. Right. I'm, I'm a gatekeeper. Like what it mostly feels like from my end is that I'm holding a container and, um, and the person and their guides are having a conversation through my container. And sometimes, frankly, I just get dismissed. They're like, eh, just hang out. You don't need to know what's happening. We're doing this work, you know, and my work is to keep a clear container to know who's coming in and who's not coming in, right? So that the container is safe and that it's high frequency and that whatever needs to be done for the highest good of that person is done, right? And they often come in with an intention 
and it, certainly the guides don't um, totally change the intention and do something else altogether, right? Like it's a co-creative experience. Uh, so yeah, and they, it gets them closer to their highest blueprint, you know, and to really express who they are in this human form and also as a spiritual being. You know, one thing I noticed is that you are really good at paying attention and following your inner guidance. Mm -hmm. um, a, you know, you, you said that at some point you have left jobs, graduate programs, even relationships because your inner guidance or intuition said mm -hmm. that this is what you needed to do. And I'm just curious how you got so good at following your intuition. I think most of us oftentimes would like to follow it, but when it involves major life changes, that's a lot to consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, wow, how did I get? Well, when your life is turned upside down and you are kind of confronted, I was confronted with a huge period of uncertainty that has certainly um, changed how I navigate uncertainty in the future, right? I had to get comfortable with not knowing because with a head injury, you really don't ever know if it's going to heal, what, like, what, what capacity you're going to have after it settles down. Um, so that was certainly the start of it, right? Um, and then I think it's practice right? It's having a practice or multiple practices that help us be comfortable in uncertainty. And so that for people that might be meditation, it might be Qigong, it might be yoga, it might be other journeying experiences, but finding a way to help the nervous system be comfortable in uncertainty. And the last, the other thing I, when I teach about learning to follow your intuition. I talk about practice, patience, and persistence, right? It takes practice to discern intuition from ego. Um, and, and that means we're going to make some mistakes along the way, right? We're going to follow maybe ego or our minds when our intuition is saying, well, no, maybe over here. When we're going to misinterpret our intuition, and we have to be willing to misinterpret it and make a mistake and be like, ooh, I, yeah, I read that wrong altogether. So practice is important, being comfortable with failing or, make, or doing something wrong and just kind of picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and you know, starting again. Um, and then patience and persistence, right? Having patience, doing things much more slowly than we might in, in what I might say the normal world right? When following your intuition, slower is usually better because you're, you're doing more being, less doing. And then at some point, the action happens, like it's really fast. You know, like it, uh, this trip to Tucson for me, I'm in Tucson, Arizona right now, and I live in Santa Fe. And I, um, I knew that I was going to go for 10 days. And I booked those 10 days. And then a friend called and I'm like, hey, why don't you join me? Let's do that. And then after that, I was like, oh, I actually need some retreat time. Let me schedule some time after that. And I waited a little bit to find out, well, how long am I going to be there? Right. And then, oh, I'm going to be there about five weeks on my own. Okay. So then I 
you know, booked my lodging for that. And then, you know, I've been here three weeks now and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to be here till the end of April. Interesting. Like, so it's the patience to let things unfold as they do, instead of jumping to, I'm going to be there for two weeks and then I'm coming home. Right. Letting things change. Yeah. It, it strikes me also that as you're practicing, you're also learning discernment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What does, what does it look like when you are connected, well-connected to your inner guidance? I receive guidance kinesthetically. So through my body, some people see pictures, some people hear things. For me, it comes through the body. Um, as, and occasionally I get pictures, but um, so I feel the direction to go, right? So if it doesn't, uh, so it feels really calm in my body right? It feels very clear. Oh, like, yeah, let me go to the grocery store now. Right. So like I left for an acupuncture appointment this morning. I had a whole list of things I was going to do on the way home. I left the acupuncture appointment, sat in the car for 20 minutes. And then I was like, yeah, I'm just going home. Like this, like, okay, I just need to go home. Right. And so being willing to, to listen to that and say, okay, Walgreens can wait. I don't need that prescription right away. You know, like my life can change a little. So for me, there's like an, a physical guidance system, right? And if I'm anxious or if I'm flighty or nervous, I can, that's usually a sign that something I'm choosing or something I'm wanting to do isn't quite aligned, right? Like when I'm trying... <laughs> to try to make something happen with my personality, um, usually it's bumpy, right? I'm like bumping into things. It's not an easy path, you know, but when, when it's with my intuition, it just kind of flows along pretty easily as long as I'm going slowly and discerning, right? You know, or listening, like I walk my dog every morning and every morning I'm like, so where are we going to walk today? And he almost always sends me a picture of where he wants to go. Like he only knows a few places here in, in Tucson. And, but he sends me a picture and I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> you know, so it's a slower life, right? And it's, um, it's much more internal, right? And, um, and it still takes other people into consideration. Sounds like a life that I think we all somewhat long for, right? Slower um, yeah. life and the ability to listen to absolutely. Absolutely. ourselves and, it, and our bodies. And it can absolutely be cultivated, right? It's not everybody needs a whack upside the head to be able to follow their intuition or to cultivate the capacity to listen to what's for their highest good. You know, you can actually sit down and meditate over time and have those same capacities, right? Mm. Or whatever the spiritual practices, you know, praying or, but you can develop that patience, practice and persistence, you know, that will get you there too, not just a whack upside the head. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the dragonfly. Sure. This is something that you use quite a bit in your work. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about 
what dragonflies represent for you and and if you think of them as having certain medicine for all of us mm -hmm. yeah yeah dragonflies for me really um offer us the medicine of transformation you know and vulnerable transformation on the ground transformation um the, you know, the story of the dragonfly, they start their lives as a dragonfly nymph in the in a in a stream or a pond. And so they're a little nymph playing around in the mud for a long time. And at some point they get an inner urge to crawl out of the pool where they are and they crawl onto a blade of grass. And the water that's in their system is is the fuel really for the metamorphosis. It pushes out their wings. It pushes out their eyes. It like the water, literally the force of the water transforms their bodies. And of course the transformation process is coming from within them. They don't have any idea what's happening. They don't know when they crawled out of the water, they were gonna fly off <laughs> later on, right? They just, do what they instinctively know to do. Oh, it's time for me to leave. And whatever chemical process happens within them has begun to happen or alchemical process might be better. And they transform into a dragonfly, you know, in a vulnerable, vulnerable way on a blade of grass where a bird can swing in and chomp them up, eat them up anytime, <laughs> you know? So, um, and then they they grow into a dragonfly and they fly off and they have a lifespan as a dragonfly, but you can't, they can't go back and tell their friends, oh, hey, by the way, <laughs> this is gonna happen to you later, right? So um, for me, that speaks to the power of transformation that our souls as humans, our souls, our higher self, our, that part of us that's divine triggers changes in our lives at different times. And, you know, the dragonfly just follows that trigger. The nymph follows the trigger. We as humans, we can think and question and wonder. And sometimes we interfere with that transformation, right? There, there, I could have totally taken a different route after my car accident. I could have had those experiences and I could have said, no, 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 that's crazy. I'm not going there and gone back to my life as a college administrator, right? And that, but that didn't really feel like following my soul's work or following the guidance I was receiving. So for me, the dragonfly represents that surrender to the process, that the transformational process, which is by no means easy, right? It's simple, you know, that old adage, simple, but not easy, right? It's pretty simple in a way, because for a dragonfly, it's done for them, really. Um, but for humans, um, it's not easy because it may mean leaving people, things, places that we love to follow a calling, right? Which which I've done many, many times that like you alluded to in a previous a question, right? There, I've left places, I've left relationships, I've left those kinds of things because I knew that it was the right thing to do. And when I left, actually, when I left Tucson in 2005, I really didn't want to go. Like I, I had never intended to leave Tucson, but I was being called to study at the Ayurvedic Institute and 
in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I did, and I had an experience there. I met some wonderful people. A few, a few years later, I met my husband. You know, we have a life now up in Santa Fe that led me to, you know, a different life. And yet I still come to Tucson because I just love it here. So I couldn't have imagined that, you know, just like the nymph couldn't have imagined flying around <laughs> as a dragonfly, <laughs> right? But here I am doing intuitive work and coaching and energy healing and, um, and yeah, that, so that's what the dragonfly kind of, uh, what the healing I think is for me or what the medicine is, as you said, what is the dragonfly medicine? I think it's about transformation, about trusting the inner guidance, really learning how to do it so that you can just follow. Right. And that doesn't mean we don't have choice. We certainly do have choice and uh, there are sometimes better choices to make. Yeah. Yeah. Today I've been speaking with Emma Don DeToro, who is an intuitive coach an energy healer and a transformational change agent. If people want to find out more about your work, where can they go? Yeah, well, you can find me on my website, which is emmala.com, E-M-A-E-M-I-L-A-H.com. I was uh, into the internet very early, so I was able to get my actual name as a website. <laughs> um, and on that site, there's some free downloads about how to use your intuition and build your intuition and how intuition works. And you can join my, my mailing list. I tend to send one email on Fridays uh, with some teachings and learning. That's where the, my juicy stuff is actually is in my blogs and in my weekly emails. And you can also find me on Facebook uh, under the Dragonfly Den is a Facebook group that I have. And then I have a page, Emma Don DeToro. And same in LinkedIn, I have a profile under Emma Don DeToro. And uh, from all those places, you can explore the services I offer, intuitive life coaching, energy healing, and intuitive readings. And, uh, and join the community of the Dragonfly Den. I do free intuitive readings there on Fridays. So for 45 minutes, I just do quick readings for whoever shows up as a member of the Dragonfly Den. And that's super fun. It's, it's really beginning to be a community, mostly of women who are really wanting to follow their intuition. And so it's a mix of teaching and a and uh, of reading and helping people read for themselves at the same time. I am Suzanne Legrand, and this is The Shaman's Notebook. Each week, I bring you new perspectives on healing from energy medicine practitioners, shamans, intuitives, and spiritual teachers who are changing the way that we think, feel, and heal. If you enjoyed the show and would like to learn more about healing, energy medicine, and new ways to heal, subscribe in the link below. And if you would like to experience energy healing yourself, join me on Fridays at the Healing Salon. Thanks for listening. I'm Suzanne Legrand, and you've been listening to The Shaman's Notebook. For more insights and adventures into healing, subscribe below and visit me at suzannelegrand.com. <laughs>